And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. Streaming live on iHeartRadio and available on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. Follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes. Or shoot me an email. The address is RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. We've got a voicemail set up where you can leave your questions or comments that we can use on the show at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, sometimes it's hard to know what to make of the current situation in this uh, this country. The political divide has never been wider, at least in my lifetime. I suppose it must have been during the civil war, but uh, on a day when this nation should have been united uh, in its satisfaction and um, contentment that our U.S. military had tracked down and brought justice to the leader of the most vile and um, disgusting terrorist organization, a death cult, ISIS, uh, on a day that we all should have been able to celebrate that together, uh, the left and the Democrats in this country uh, were so enraged that Donald Trump had, uh, you know, scored a victory. The Trump administration had, and uh, and triggered by his announcement <clears throat> that um, that the mainstream media in the country went on the attack. Not against Bakur el-Baghdadi, but against the President of the United States. And um, it was really something to see. These people were so infected with Trump derangement syndrome that um, they've really gone around the bend. And the really scary part about this is... um, I think they represent a major portion of the country. I don't think it's half. I, I think uh, I think it's somewhere approaching thirty-five or forty percent. But it's a huge number of people, and they're represented in the mainstream media, both the uh, the uh, television outlets and the newspapers. And to watch their reaction by attacking the president and actually going so far as to try to excuse me to try to rehabilitate el baghdadi to try to claim as the washington post published on its pages excuse me just a second early early morning well <clears throat> um the Washington Post on its pages tried to rehabilitate the reputation of uh, al-Baghdadi um, and say that he did not die a coward's death, as Donald Trump had pointed out during his Sunday morning announcement, but that uh, the fact that he had blown himself up <laughs> showed that he was not a coward. Max Boot, uh, if you're not aware of who this guy is. He's one of the leading neocon thinkers. He's dumb as a rock, but he uh, was one of the ones that, um, that built the case that we had to invade and occupy Iraq. He took to his Twitter account and said, Trump could not have heard whimpering and crying because there's no audio. And Mike Esper and, uh, Millie ref- uh, refused to confirm those details. The assertion that Baghdadi died as a coward was contradicted by the fact that rather be, than be captured, he blew himself up. So according to Max Boot, blowing himself up and three of his children to keep from um, being certainly killed by the uh, pursuing American Special Forces was a, an act of bravery. 
cowards commit suicide, Max Boot, if he had been this brave man that you uh, that you proclaim, he would have uh, gone down fighting. He would have tried to take some of his attackers with him. The fact that he fled, tried to use three of his children as human shields, and then blew himself up rather than fight is the act of a coward, Max Boot. I'm not surprised that Max Boot doesn't understand the difference between cowardly behavior and and uh, brave behavior, but to see him put it out on Twitter, and you wonder sometimes if these people are just trolling you, trying to get attention, but the, it's a stunning statement to make and should disqualify Max Boot from ever being taken seriously. Again, this is a guy that uh, CNN pays to be on their air as a, an expert commentator. But you'll probably remember yesterday on CNN and right in the aftermath of the president's announcement, one of its, um, its field correspondents compared Trump unfavorably to ISIS. There were lots of moments during Donald Trump's speech which jarred to some degree, some of which sort of echoed, and frankly, the crudeness you would often expect to hear maybe from ISIS about the whimpering, uh, screaming Baghdadi pinned down in a, a sealed tunnel. It was, it was sort of disturbing to hear to some degree. There's an upper level. So their point all day was that, uh, that the video that the president watched didn't have audio with it, and so he could not have known whether or not Baghdadi was whimpering and crying before his death. Now, that completely ignores that uh, Donald Trump probably got reports from the ground from people that were in pursuit of Baghdadi, but it, it fit their narrative, so that was the line that they pursued all day. Here's a clip from MSNBC. He was talking about Baghdadi's final moments. Take a listen to this. He died after running into a dead-end tunnel, whimpering and crying and screaming all the way. But as you point out in the piece, there was no live audio from the raid. So square that circle for us. So this was a reoccurring theme in the mainstream media yesterday, that Baghdadi did not die a cowardly uh, death, that uh, Donald Trump couldn't have known that, that uh, somehow... Baghdadi uh, left this world on his shield. And um, and then, you know, the president goes out to this Nationals baseball game, and on the, the day that he announced that we had gotten Baghdadi, which should have been an opportunity for celebration, the assembled Washington bureaucrats and lobbyists and swamp creatures in National Stadium in uh, D.C. booed him. Booed the president of the United States. <laughs> Piers Morgan was on Tucker's show last night and and really nailed um, this particular shameful episode. And his death should have been a, a moment to celebrate a brilliant operation by American armed forces, a courageous and bold order to conduct the mission from the president of the United States, and a moment for America to show the world that when they said they'd get tough with terrorism, they meant it. And there should have been a moment to plant the flag firmly, or the American flag, on that, on that stamp of we will not tolerate terrorism. But instead, the stamp has become, let's just boo the president at the World Series. Let's have thousands of Americans responding to his decision to conduct that mission and to order it. Let's respond by booing him. Let's chant lock him. Now, I know that those those swamp creatures in that stadium weren't booing him because of the Baghdadi thing. They, they were booing him because they're, <clears throat> they hate this president so much that they were uh, overlooking the most significant development of the day just a few announced just uh, about 12 hours earlier. But when you're so afflicted, with this Trump derangement that you cannot bring yourself to wholeheartedly celebrate the demise of al-Baghdadi, one of the most vicious and sadistic and uh, bloodthirsty terrorists in history, I would argue you need to seek counseling. And, you know, um, uh, Tom, uh, no, um, 
Hawley, uh, Josh Hawley, and uh, and the the new senator from Tennessee uh, have introduced a bill in Washington to move ninety percent of the government jobs out of Washington and into spread them around the country. And in this age of uh, you know internet uh, communications, there's really no need for everybody to be all of the federal employees to be concentrated in one area. And I think uh, that even uh, more than breaking it up to, you know, spread the jobs around the country right now, Washington DC is one of the, the most uh, affluent richest areas. No, it is not one of the, it is the most affluent richest area in the nation. Those jobs should be broken up and spread across the country to spread the wealth around. But even more so than that, uh, these people need to, get out into the real country uh they they live in a bubble and they have allowed themselves to become sort of an occupying force where they're actually booing the president of the united states which you know on any other day maybe you could uh you could explain that but on the day that he announced getting baghdadi to uh to do that was was truly Shameful. It, it it brought, well, I, I will let Pierce Morgan say it again. Well, I was on Twitter as rumors were bubbling about what this was when President Trump did his tweet saying something big has just happened. And people were beginning to guess it might be Baghdadi. And in that moment, I already saw the reaction from what I would call the more deranged liberals of America boiling themselves up, not in jubilation at what had happened, but in fury that somehow Trump may have done something right, that he may deserve some legitimate credit. And that was simply unconscionable. They were not going to allow that to happen. And the narrative has played out ever since this has not been, as I say, what it should be, which is the destruction. And by the way, I take great pleasure in celebrating the death of Baghdadi. Me too. This is one of the worst terrorists in modern times. That is true. I am glad he's gone. And actually, I quite enjoyed the gory details that the president gave us about that sniveling coward's last few seconds on this (laughs) earth. I did enjoy it because I want him gone. I want him to stop maiming and killing people. So let's put that on the record. But what does it say about these these liberals, these these so-called liberals? I don't think they are liberals, Tucker. There's nothing liberal about them. They're what I call illiberal liberals. They stand for the complete antithesis of liberalism. They don't believe in free speech. They don't believe in tolerance or fairness or anything. They just believe right now in screaming at anyone that doesn't fit their narrow worldview yep. and their narrative of events. And when that is applied to something like the death of Baghdadi, the leader of ISIS, it is a shocking moment. I thought last night, frankly, was shameful. I thought the thousands of Americans who thought that was the right way to respond shamed themselves and they shamed their country. Well, they did shame themselves. I don't know if they shamed their country because they're not representative of the country. Uh, You know, people watching overseas may think that, but most of the people in this country know that Washington, D.C., the voters uh, voted for Hillary Clinton, I think 94%, do not represent the United States in any sort of way. And, and we need to move those jobs out of Washington. You had a whole bunch of uh, Obama administration uh, dead enders coming out on the news shows, uh, pointing out that uh, <clears throat> Donald Trump's treatment of this was somehow going to incite or provoke ISIS as if these uh, this death cult needed any provoking. And if we just treat them with kid gloves, that uh, maybe they'll go easy on us. They were bragging that you know when uh, when the military got uh, um, Osama bin Laden during the Obama administration after ten years that they gave him a proper Islamic burial, as if that's something to brag about. Osama bin Laden didn't deserve any sort of religious burial or any any sort of um, acknowledgement to his so-called religious faith. And neither does Baghdadi. I'm exactly with Pierce Morgan. I celebrate his death. But that, uh, that really, really 
uh, triggered old Phil Mudd over there at CNN. There's an upper level on this. You do not celebrate death. I don't care if it's a terrorist. I don't care if it's someone you hate. A human being has died. We don't celebrate that. I would not use that. And I, I find it, it's embarrassing. Well, I disagree. I think you do celebrate when you've got somebody as sadistic and responsible for as many deaths and pain and suffering as al-Baghdadi. You definitely celebrate that. And you don't, as these uh, Obama administration officials like to uh, say, give him a proper Islamic burial. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about this, and then we'll move on to the latest impeachment news. Stick with us. I've been working at Santa's workshop for a long time and thought I'd seen it all. That was until I learned that when you add Xfinity Mobile to Xfinity Internet, you can save hundreds on your wireless bill. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Internet required for mobile. So all day yesterday, the media was basically trying to rehabilitate the reputation of Baghdadi and say that he did not die as a coward and and call the president of the United States a liar. Uh, they made the argument that uh, uh, the president should not have, be celebrating or the American people should not be celebrating this, uh, this evil person's death and that um, somehow he should be treated in death with some sort of respect. bragging about how they uh, they did that with Osama bin Laden and gave him a proper Islamic burial. And, of course, uh, you know, Trump was being excoriated for not uh, giving uh, Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff advance notice of this operation as if uh, the president could take that risk with Nancy and uh, Adam Schiff's history of leaking the president basically had two jobs in this operation. One was to authorize the raid. And, uh, of course, you know, doesn't, uh, you, you, you could argue that that doesn't take any great bravery, but considering the stakes, um, political stakes, it did take, uh, some, uh, some courage and some faith in the U S military more than anything else. If this operation had failed, it would uh, it would have been a disaster for Trump's presidency. The Democrats and the media would all have blamed him. They would have said that this was a result of Donald Trump's withdrawal from the area. They even made uh, arguments that uh, withdrawing from the area uh, made them have to move forward with this operation uh, sooner, as if that was a bad thing. But the president had to have faith in the military, and he had to sort of go out on a limb politically. If this had failed, uh, he would have been treated like Jimmy Carter, you know, who who lost his nerve in the attempt to rescue the Iranian hostages and probably would have su- suffered the same fate in the upcoming political uh, season. But the president uh, had the faith in the military. He sent them in, and his other job was to keep this operation a secret and preserve the element of surprise. And so they they thought, uh, according to the president, about uh, notifying c- the leaders in Congress, and they realized that the risk was just too great. Nancy and, and uh, Adam Schiff probably would have kept the secret, but the, you can't say that 100%. And any risk to the operation and to the uh, men carrying it out could not be trusted with Nancy and Schiff. Now that should say more about Nancy and Schiff than it does about the president, but the media would have you believe that it is somehow uh, disrespectful of Trump to not have notified them. Of course, you know, the story of the Washington post um, uh, publishing this headline calling Baghdadi an austere austere, uh, religious scholar. And uh, that was bad enough, but if you read the the obituary and the one that appeared in the New York Times, it was far worse 
than just the headline. There were slavishly um, uh, praising quotations in there about Baghdadi's younger days and him, uh, his childhood and uh, a hard scrabble upbringing and uh, how sweet his voice was when he started um, preaching at the local mosque and how he was a, a devout religious man. There was more of that than there was his actual history of brutality and sadism and, and mass murder. It's really something to see. I want to talk a little bit about this dog. The The president, uh, the White House, uh, put out a picture of the dog yesterday. It looks like it's a Belgian shepherd. It's not a German shepherd. The Belgian shepherds are somewhat smaller. They're a bit more athletic um, than... A, a full-size German Shepherd. That's a good-looking dog. Uh, they released a picture of it. They did not release its name. That's still classified. You recall during the president's announcement, he uh, he he gave props to the dog. Our canine, as they call, I call it a dog, a beautiful dog, a talented dog, was injured and brought back. A beautiful dog, a talented dog. It's uh, it's. It's now been learned that the dog uh, has returned to duty. It's recovered from its injuries, so apparently they were relatively minor. But I want to say something a little bit about the language being used about Baghdadi. They were, they were saying that he died like a dog. Well, he didn't die like a dog. A dog shows much more bravery if you've, you know, you, you could make the argument that dogs don't understand fully the danger involved in anything. But you can't call a dog a coward. Dogs and these working dogs in particular are absolutely fearless. And uh, and they will pursue doggedly their, uh, their objective without regard to the danger. And, uh, and I think we, we ought to stop using this term died like a dog as a, uh, a pejorative. Because it really doesn't recognize the, the courage and the selflessness that dogs behave and uh, exhibit in our service. I also think we need to do away with this, uh, this term bitch in reference to female dogs. I think female dogs have uh, earned more respect. That, that term, whatever its origins, has, has come to be a negative term. And female dogs, uh, I think the dog in this case was actually a male but they don't deserve to be uh, referred to in a negative way. They've earned much more respect than that. They've earned way more respect than Baghdadi. Baghdadi didn't die like a dog. He died like the cowardly, terrorist, sadistic, terrorist mass murderer that he was. And the media trying to rehabilitate his reputation was really something to see. We're going to run out to a break. We're going to hear two messages, and then we're going to come back and talk about the latest developments in the impeachment hearing. You're going to want to hear it. Old Nervous Nancy's going to take a vote. We'll be right back. Stick with us on the Mojo 50 Radio Network. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more.
And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. A daily journal of news, politics, and culture. From an America first perspective. A canine, as they call, I call it a dog, a beautiful dog, a talented dog, was injured and brought back. A beautiful, talented dog. We got a look at him on the uh, on the Twitter yesterday. He is a, a good-looking boy. He's a good boy. Belgian Shepherd who chased uh, Baghdadi down that, uh, that spider hole and forced him to blow himself up. And sadly, uh, three innocent children uh, that that he had taken down there with him, no doubt, to use as human shields. But I just wanted to reiterate, I think we didn't need to stop using this term, died like a dog. It doesn't fit. Uh, These dogs um, do, in fact, give their life in the service of this country and in the service of uh, of mankind. And uh, and they do it in a courageous way uh, with, with no... Uh, no cowardliness whatsoever. It doesn't fit. Uh, so let's stop saying that Baghdadi died like a dog. He died uh, like the cowardly terrorist that he is. And I also say, say we ought to stop referring to female dogs as, as bitches. I know that the, that was the original origin of the word, but it has since become an insult. We ought not to be using it to describe uh, women either, or anybody for that matter. But uh, at this point, uh, have dogs not earned enough respect that we could stop uh, using um, that term for female dogs? I th- I think so. This dog did a great job. Great job. They need to bring this dog to the White House. They need to uh, give it some sort of uh, dog medal if there's not one. This president needs to uh, come up with one, uh, a, a way of rec- recognizing our canine friends for the service they provide. And uh, I was going to argue if the dog was unable to physically unable to t- return to duty that uh, they ought to make it the national dog and, and keep it at the White House. But um, <laughs> it's an interesting part of this story. Dog lovers have taken keen interest in, uh, in this dog's part in this operation. And uh, I'm just so glad to hear that he is fully recovered. Well, old nervous Nancy in the House of Representatives has decided now to go ahead and take a vote on impeachment. I guess the the uh, pressure and the dawning realization of the public that uh, what they were engaged in had not been authorized. And I continue to be aggravated by uh, the repeated statements that uh, uh, no vote has been taken. There have been votes taken in the House of Representatives to proceed with an impeachment inquiry, inquiry three different times, and each time it has failed massively. So not only was Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler proceeding uh, without authorization, they were actually proceeding over the express will of Congress in those three votes. But now I think uh, the Republicans have done good enough job um, – pointing out that this was unauthorized. And uh, so Nancy is going to take it to the floor of the House of Representatives and get a vote. Now, we don't know what form this resolution is going to take. Uh, it's said that it's going to establish some rules. and If it's going to establish rules, I hope those rules are similar to what has been done in the three previous impeachments, that is, uh, give the minority party the opportunity to call witnesses and cross-examine and to uh, to have the president's counsel in on the process. Given what we've seen so far, I doubt that that's going to be the case. And and this vote may not even be an authorization to proceed per se. It may be some sort of mealy mouth way of <clears throat> of giving cover to Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler without actually putting the Democrat. Uh, representatives, the freshman Democrat representatives that were elected from Trump districts uh, to give them some sort of cover as well. So I've got sort of a long clip here from Andy Biggs, and you're going to have to sort of bear with me because uh, Andy Biggs needs to up his game on the audio portion of his uh, his video announcements. 
but it's about a two-minute long uh, clip where Andy Biggs gives his uh, summation on the uh, the current status of their impeachment jihad. Biggs here from Arizona's 5th Congressional District. I am happy um, that House Democrat leadership has finally decided to take a formal vote on whether to open an impeachment inquiry. The problem that they face, of course, is that it's taint- they've tainted the process. They've tainted the process in a way that has divided this country like no time in the past hundred and some odd years. And they've done it because they don't like President Trump. And they, so they've done it on process. They've had closed door hearings. They've held, withheld transcripts. And they've prevented you, me, and, and the media and all of America, frankly, from getting in to see what these witnesses are like, whether they're credible, whether they're uh, truthful. And so now they, they're going to bring us into some kind of additional inquiry. They've said they're going to formalize it. That's good. We just simply don't know how that's going to look or what, how it's going to be constructed. Normally this would go through the Judiciary Committee. Normally they'd be open hearings all the way through. We'll see how they do. And uh, maybe they can rehabilitate their process. But the bottom line is the process has been stinky. And the substance has also been bad because they've shifted everything from uh, claims of extortion to uh, campaign finance violations to um, Russian collusion. Now it's quid pro quo. And the bottom line is they know that there's nothing substantive there to impeach this president on. But they're so deluded, you can hear Adam Schiff, you can hear Eric Swalwell, who sits on those committees, still say, even though the guy they said they trusted was Mueller, and Mueller said there was no collusion, they will tell you that there's still evidence of Russian collusion. And so what this gets to is a continuation of a Soviet-style impeachment inquiry where the outcome is predetermined, and they've held it behind closed doors, and they've leaked things that are beneficial to their... Uh, narrative. So let's stay tuned. I'll keep you posted on what's happening. Well, that's that's what the first part of this uh, impeachment jihad was designed to do, allow Adam Schiff to take this behind closed doors and selectively leak uh, from uh, the testimony that went back there in order to try to uh, give the Democrat media what it needed to set the narrative in, in, um, in the American consciousness. In the Nixon and in the, um, to a lesser degree, in the Clinton impeachments, uh, the mainstream media almost controlled the narrative entirely, especially in the Nixon impeachment. They were able to, uh, you know, to control all of the information that the American people got, and of course that resulted in uh, in Nixon having to leave office in the Clinton impeachment. It was a little bit lesser degree. Uh, people had started, you know, using um, alternate forms of communication. But uh, they were able to protect Bill Clinton. And in this one, they, they saw that uh, with the current state of social media and all of the uh, ways of communicating, that they couldn't control the narrative. So Adam Schiff took all of this behind closed doors so that he could control the flow of information entirely and then leaked the, that part, those parts that supported impeachment and keep a lid on everything else. And uh, and Andy Biggs describes it perfectly when he's talking about this is an old Soviet process where you determine uh, what the outcome is going to be, and then you go about uh, achieving that outcome in these uh, this so-called inquiry. It's something that you would see in a communist authoritarian um, nation. And really, all of this sort of illustrates the despotic tendencies that uh, that the left has. Um, they know that they can't win based on facts, so they have to twist the facts in order to, to win. Now, this is going to be the fourth vote on impeachment, proceeding with an inquiry, if that's what they do. I have no doubt that it will pass with um, every Democrat. Uh, they Actually, Nancy doesn't need every one of them. She may actually give uh, some dispensation for some of them that are in particularly tough districts to vote against it. I doubt that will happen, but it, it could. And every Republican will um, vote uh, 
in uh, against proceeding on these uh, this flimsy hearsay evidence. They're now trying to hide. They don't want to hear any more from the uh, the whistleblower. So I guess they're going to have to try to craft these rules so the Republicans cannot call this guy forward because contrary to what you're hearing, there is no protection for the identity of a whistleblower. They're protected from retaliation. And and under the Obama administration, they never observed that. They, they fired whistleblowers left and right. But their identity is not protected under the rules of the whistleblower. So... Maybe they're going to move this over to Nadler's district or a committee. Um, it, it's very telling that the faces, the Democrat faces on this are uh, Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler. You have to see how it goes. Uh, the S&P 500 hit an all-time high yesterday. So under this president, um, our retirement funds, these uh, these 401ks that were never really designed to to allow people to retire on, but that's that's what we're left with after the financial sector has uh, basically hijacked people's pension plans. And uh, and if you've got your money in a uh, a good S and P five hundred index fund, uh, then your uh, your retirement is uh, is doing well. Joe Biden went on sixty minutes on Sunday evening and called Donald Trump. An idiot. Yes, Joe Biden, struggling to formulate a sentence, called Donald Trump an idiot. The Russians are targeting you. The Russians. The Russians don't want me to be president, and Trump doesn't want me, yeah. me to be the nominee. <laughs> Let's start that again. <laughs> They're back on the Russians now. They think that, uh, or Joe Biden's making the case that they don't want Joe Biden to be president. They don't want Joe Biden to cripple our energy sector and allow... Uh, Russia to move into the void. They don't want Joe Biden, who's compromised in the Ukraine and China, to to be the president of the United States. They would rather Donald Trump, who has been a uh, uh, harder on Russia than any president in history. They want him to be president again. But just watch, uh, listen to Biden try to formulate a sentence. The Russians are targeting you. The Russians don't want me to be president, and Trump doesn't want me yeah. to be the nominee. <laughs> There's yeah. certain things that have come across very, very clearly. I mean, how concerned are you about foreign interference in this election? I'm very concerned about foreign interference beyond me. Everybody knows what's going on. Everybody. Trump not only doesn't want to do anything about it, he's going out and asking for help. Come help me. Come help me defeat, yeah. keep Biden from being the nominee. Perpetuating. I mean, how is he perpetuating it? Well, by encouraging them to, you know, to get involved in our election. Biden's wife. But President Trump says Russian interference is a hoax. <laughs> He's an idiot on terms of saying that. Everybody knows this. Everybody knows. Everybody it. knows. Nobody knows doubts. It. Nobody doubts it. This uh, is sort of a recurring argument from from Joe Biden that everybody knows things that. Uh, everybody has looked at Hunter Biden's activities in the Ukraine and China and found nothing there. Totally false. Everybody knows that uh, the Russians interfered in our elections. Well, actually, we don't. We have to take CrowdStrike's word for it that they hacked the DNC servers and the activities that uh, the, on social media that uh, that Mueller made such a big deal over were divided into four different buckets. One was anti-Trump, one was pro-Trump, one was anti-Hillary, one was pro-Hillary. All this uh, troll farm was doing over there was trolling, and they were uh, creating dissension in the electorate. And they only spent about $100,000 to do it. It's all been blown out of proportion. So this argument that Biden makes that everybody knows is completely contrary to the facts, nor O'Donnell, if she was a real journalist, she, she wouldn't be pursuing this line, but she's there to, uh, you know, to further the narrative. Joe Biden calling Donald Trump an idiot. Joe Biden ran for president twice before. He never got out of single digits. He was caught plagiarizing. He had to drop out both times. 
He's been wrong about almost every major foreign policy issue in his long 40-year career in Washington. And he's calling Trump a billionaire developer who came from outside of Washington and won the presidency on his very first run for public office. Joe Biden's calling that guy an idiot. (laughs) We got to run out to a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to look at the latest development in the, uh, the case against the Covington Catholic school boys, Nick Sandman. You're going to want to hear this. Stick with us. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Well, you know, Rachel Maddow over at MSNBC has been pursuing the uh, the Russiagate conspiracy hoax uh, pretty much around the clock. And she's sort of, uh, when uh, the Mueller report pointed out that there was no uh, collusion and no conspiracy, uh, she was left with egg all over her face. Her ratings dropped through the floor, and she's been struggling, uh, flailing around for a, uh, a new uh, narrative to carry forward. And it appears that she may have found one, and I have to give it to her. If she does uh, head down this road, uh, it is sort of a, a, a fearless journalism that um, that she was um, fashioning herself at, at uh, under the Russiagate hoax. This is an actual story, and that is the, uh, the cover-up at the parent company of MSNBC, which is NBC. MSNBC is just a... Uh, a new subsidiary of NBC. When you hear a story on MSNBC, it is coming directly from the uh, the network. But of course, the story I'm talking about is uh, is the cover up of Matt Lauer's sexual harassment and um, oh, how do you even characterize it? it, it just basically out of control uh, abuse of of interns and, uh, and subordinates over there at NBC. And, of course, their suppression of uh, Ronan Farrow's story uh, blowing the lid on Harvey Weinstein. And uh, it's come to light that the reason that, that um, they suppressed the Weinstein story is because Weinstein was threatened to, threatening to expose their cover-up of the Matt Lauer story. So it's all a, a big hypocritical mess over there at um, the Peacock Network. And um, Rachel Maddow is going after the story. Here she she was uh, on Monday evening. No, actually, this was, uh, this was last Friday. Uh, on the air at MSNBC, going after... Her own network. Now, NBC News is obviously our parent company here at MSNBC. The allegations about the behavior of Harvey Weinstein and Matt Lauer are gut-wrenching at baseline, no matter who you are or what your connection is to the story. But accusations that people in positions of authority in this building may have been complicit in some way in shielding those guys from accountability, those accusations are very, very hard to stomach. And I can tell you that inside this building, this issue, the Weinstein story, having to leave the building in order to get told and combine that with another previous gigantic story on a related subject, the Access Hollywood tape, Billy Bush story, also having to leave this building in order to get told. And the amount of consternation this has caused among the rank and file people who work here would be almost impossible for me to overstate. I've been through a lot of ups and downs in this company since I've been here. It would be impossible for me to overstate the amount of consternation inside the building around this issue. <laughs> so you got uh, Rachel Maddow really going out on a limb. Now, the, the line is that uh, she's untouchable, that she is their marquee talent at MSNBC. 
Well, you know, it wasn't that long ago that NBC paid about $70 million to, uh, to hire, oh, shoot, I'm about to hit one of these Biden moments where I can't remember her name, the, uh, the former Fox uh, news anchor who Tucker recently had uh, on his show. Uh, but M- NBC fired her because uh, she dared to uh, raise that story. The, 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 the excuse that they gave was that she touched the third rail of blackface that she had made statements about uh, when she was uh, young, uh, putting on blackface to dress up like a black character was not that big a deal. And, of course, they fired her for that. But the real reason they fired her is because she had mentioned on her new show the emerging sexual uh, scandals in uh, in the building over there in NBC. And now Rachel Maddow is headed down that same path. So I'm not so sure that they they won't find a reason to get rid of Rachel Maddow too. Her her uh, her ratings in the aftermath of the RussiaGate story weren't that good. They were they were better than anything else they had on their network, but they weren't that good. They were falling like a rock. And Rachel Maddow better live at the foot of the cross if she's going to go down this road and cover uh, the scandals going on over there at NBC with the the current leadership, uh, Oppenheim and uh, can't remember the other guy's name. Well, there was a, a development in the case of Nick Salmon in the Covington High School Catholic High School uh, lawsuit that Lynn Wood brought against uh, a whole bunch of uh, the Washington Post and I think in this case, it's just the Washington Post, the Post and the New York Times, and a whole bunch of Hollywood celebrities had smeared and slandered Nick Sandman for supposedly uh, attacking the poor, elderly, Native American veteran that was beating a drum in his face by, by smirking. Well, yesterday, a, uh, a judge reversed a prior ruling that, uh, that had given um, the defense a summary judgment and dismissed the case. That decision was reversed, and the lawsuit was reinstated and allowed to go forward. That is a huge victory. If If the New York Times and the Washington Post had been allowed to get away with the slanders that they published against Nick Salmon and the other Catholic schoolboys based on a, a lie... It would have been a, a terrible uh, development for um, for journalistic accountability, just basic decency and standards. I've got a clip here. This uh, sort of uh, captures the uh, the atmosphere after this event. I guess it's been about a year ago now when Bill Maher went on his HBO show and attacked a 15-year-old boy. I don't blame the kid, the smirking kid. I blame lead poisoning. <laughs> and bad parenting. And oh yeah, I blame that f- kid. What a little f- <laughs> smirk face. Smirk face says, please. Like, that's not a dick move at any age to stick your face in this elderly man's... And this smirking kid says, he was just trying to diffuse the situation... Nick Salmon was standing still. He had a smile, uh, well, sort of a grin on his face. He's 15 years old. He's got this this um, elderly uh, Native American beating a drum inches from his face and chanting. Nick Salmon stood there, tried to smile, and Bill Maher calls him smirk face. And this is something that uh, George Orwell talked about. Here's a clip from Tucker Carlson's show. This doesn't think that people like Nick Sandman should stand in place. It's, quote, aggressive. George Orwell imagined a world like this 70 years ago in 1984. For the disfavored, Orwell wrote, the smallest thing could give you away, a nervous tick, an unconscious look of anxiety, a habit of muttering to yourself. 
to wear an improper expression on your face was itself a punishable offense. There was even a word for it, face crime. Nick Sandman committed face crime on Friday. There was just something about his face, something aggressive and sneering. For that crime, some of our superiors don't believe that Nick Sandman ought to be allowed to speak in public. It's really unbelievable. Uh, You know, right after uh, the mainstream media characterized Nick Sandman as somehow uh, smirking or having an aggressive posture toward this old man beating a drum in his face, you had all of these Hollywood uh, celebrities melting down. One of them said that uh, they ought to lock the doors to the school and set it on fire. One had uh, published a cartoon on his Twitter account putting Nick Salmon into a wood chipper. I mean, this is really um, incitement to violence. And it wasn't just the unhinged celebrities. Uh, it was with all of the news programs as well. And over there at The View, um, Whoopi Goldberg wondered uh, how, in the aftermath of this how they got the story so wrong. So many uh, people admitted they made snap judgments before these other facts came in. Why is, do we keep making the same mistake and then have to walk stuff back when it turns out we're wrong? Because we're, we're desperate to get Trump out of office. Yeah. And so it's wishful thinking. Because we're desperate to get Trump out of office. This Trump derangement really is causing people on the left to behave in, in uh, really erratic and unhinged ways. Savannah Guthrie over at uh, ABC set Nick down, Salmon down on the set. He looks like a, a perfectly nice 15-year-old kid and asked him, didn't he think he had something to be ashamed of? Do you feel from this experience that you owe anybody an apology, that you owe anybody an apology? Do you see your own fault in any way? Unbelievable. Do you see your own fault for standing there and smiling at a guy banging you drum in your face? Megan Kelly is the name of the, uh, the Fox News host that was fired former Fox News host that was fired from NBC for bringing up the sexual scandals in the, in the, uh, the Peacock Network. That takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes. I want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here again tomorrow right here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.